Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are at Baseball Talk. Uh, Steve Fitzsimmons, play-by-play guy. Uh, myself, Andy Clark. And we have Adam Oliveira doing all of his uh, technical work for us in the other room. And uh, today we have a great guest to kick things off. We are going to talk Jay's trade de- deadline later in the show. But uh, first we have uh, Alexis Brodnicki with us here, who is a very accomplished baseball journalist. And as uh, very rightfully so, a resume includes many great baseball experiences, everything from working uh, the scoreboard at uh, the Rogers Centre to uh, being a mascot for a game in Australia to uh, while singing the national anthem. She's pretty much done everything there, probably sweeps up the peanuts afterwards and uh, the way that things are going for the Jays, they might call her in to pitch at some point this year. (laughs) So It uh, wouldn't be surprising, would it? (laughs) Yeah, so uh, welcome to the show, Alexis. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, it's our pleasure. So I should mention here, actually, I, I started to read out a resume here, but her uh, her main role right now is Director of Baseball Information for an elite amateur team called the Great Lakes Canadians. So uh, we're going to talk some Great Lakes Canadians in a minute, but first we wanted to talk a little bit about your, uh, your career here. Um, so first of all, uh, you spent a few years working in the Blue Jays organization? Uh, yeah, I worked um, in a game day position. So for the last eight seasons, uh, up till the end of last season, I worked uh, as a part of the production crew at Rogers Center as a statistician and scoreboard operator. So as a statistician, is that a fairly uh, grueling job? Um, it's it's not, I guess, the kind of analytical role that you would think of um, when you say the word. So for me... Again, I was just game day, so it was all uh, day-to-day statistics, kind of if you ever go to a game at the Rogers Center, everything that you would see numerically um, in terms of entertainment in the stadium. So, you know, game notes where this guy's batting this number in his last 10 games against left-handed pitchers, or we tried to get some advanced uh, sabermetrics on the Jumbotron as well um, with you know, we would have Kevin Pillar's defensive metrics and things like that. So it was just day-to-day statistics of the team and what was going on at the time. So do, do you have a lot of discretion as to what you put up, or do you have some sort of directing that? Uh, I had a pretty good amount of discretion. I got to choose everything that went up, and then if it was something new, because at one point over the last eight seasons, um, we did add in sabermetrics we did change things a little bit that wasn't always happening um so if it was something like that where it was a big change obviously there would be a process of um permission from higher ups alexis take us through um operating the scoreboard uh, at the rogers center uh does it take a lot of people and kind of what's the process and and, and the effort behind the scenes like for that well, the game day production crew was a crew, I assume it still is, but was a crew of 25 people. Uh, so that included, I think, seven or eight cameramen, uh, multiple people who would cut the highlights in real time, show the highlights on the board, multiple people in the audio room doing walk-up music, doing stuff in between innings in terms of music and videos, um, the PA announcer, we had one person who just literally input every single thing that happened in the game, balls, strikes, um, anytime a player advanced in the, on the base pass, uh, he was just putting that in. We had someone just typing in uh, what happened in each at bat, you know, ground out to third base, fly out to left field for every player. Uh, we had a producer, director, 
we had someone who put up uh, just advertisements all the time, just a rolling kind of queue of advertisements for the day, for the game, for the series. Uh, we had people running social media type stuff as well in the background um, whenever they would have tweets go to the board and things like that. So it was a pretty big crew of people doing a lot of things. And uh, one of your duties also was uh, assisting with uh, Tournament 12, which uh, might be better known in the, the greater Toronto area, but uh, explain a little bit about uh, Tournament 12 for us rural Ontario folks. Uh, Tournament 12 um, brings together the top amateur college eligible players uh, in the entire country. It's something unprecedented and it just really brings all the best Canadians um, into the stadium. They get a chance to play at Rogers Centre. Um, scouts are there, colleges are there. It's a really good opportunity for the young young players. So in, in is it basically are, are players selected to be there or are they there as part of like uh, travel teams? No, they are selected individually to be there. Okay, so it's like kind of a, they can earn their way there through their play type thing. Yeah, there's a series of tryouts as well. Oh, okay. There's a tryout series. Um, now, you've also done quite a bit of writing um, extensively through all sorts of uh, online sources. And you've even done, like, involving a lot of research, like fan graphs and hardball times. You've written for CBC, Sportsnet, Canadian Baseball Network. It just goes on and on and on and on. Uh, where did you first get your, your interest in sports journalism and broadcasting? Um... That's it's interesting because I didn't really have an early interest in actually getting into journalism. I always, always loved baseball. Um, it was definitely a part of my life from the time I was, I think, eight years old um, until currently. But I wanted to go to law school originally. And after I finished my undergrad, kind of realized that maybe that wasn't in my immediate future and instead applied for a one year graduate program in sports journalism and through four months into the program I ended up getting my job with the Blue Jays so it kind of um, was a great series of events uh, that led to it and I once I got into baseball I just wanted to create opportunities to stay around the game so part of that was obviously the Blue Jays was just a seasonal job so part of that was just finding other things to do and that really led me into writing about baseball and trying to find opportunities to be able to do that, to make money from that uh, where I could, which was definitely tough, and just to stay around the game and have a presence. Now, you're, you're a London, Ontario native, I believe, right? I am, yes. Yeah, so did uh, so through, prob I'm guessing your age here a little bit, uh, were the London Tigers, uh, they were probably around, there was a double-A team there for a while. Did you, uh, did you follow them growing up? I didn't. So I am 31. So they were in the early 90s. The London Tigers were still around. I just, but it wasn't um, a part of my life when I was, I guess, five or six years old. But uh, I am well versed in the history now. I would say, Alexis, uh, you had uh, what I think is an amazing opportunity in 2016 to be part of Major League Baseball's scout school. Um, become a major league scout uh take us back to just maybe what that experience was like for you yeah it was a bit of an emotional roller coaster really i was very very excited to get the opportunity to go uh current blue jays president mark shapiro was the one who sent me to scout school and it was 
just kind of uh, a bit of a dream come true at the time. I really thought that going to scout school not only would help me learn, help me get better at the game, but it would also give me a little more of the credibility that I'm often missing as a female in a male-dominated industry. And I also thought it would lead me to a full-time job in the industry because I, I kind of mentioned I was I was picking up work here and there. I was working for the Jays in the season. I was doing other things in the off-season. I was finding writing positions. I was doing all kinds of things to create those opportunities for myself. But I really thought that this was an opportunity that I could take advantage of and perhaps glean a full-time position and continue to work my way up that way. It didn't end up being exactly that, but uh, still definitely one of the greatest experiences I've had. Um, my my roommate really helped me through it. We were the only two women uh, at scout school in our year, and her name is Emily Fragapani. She works for the Los Angeles Dodgers in research and development, and I think you'll probably hear from them a lot in the future, but it was a great experience, and I don't know if I could have done it without her. It was really tough, too. Um, not only was everybody kind of forced to look at the game in a different way and see different things than we had ever seen before. There were a variety of experiences and people, and it was it was awesome, and it was a lot at once. It was a bit overwhelming, and it was just kind of a mixed bag for me, but in the end, it was just it was a great, great, great experience. I learned a lot. I definitely see the game in a different way and look at things differently than I did before. Now, there's a couple more things I wanted to ask you about uh, career-wise. Uh, I noticed you uh, did some work baseball-related down in Australia. How did that come about? Uh, yeah, so when I was working with the Blue Jays during the season, I was always looking for things to do in the off-season, and the Australian Baseball League season is opposite ours. Their summer is our winter, so... I went to Australia on four different occasions to work in the Australian Baseball League and just, again, create an opportunity that allowed me to stay around baseball because baseball was really the only sport that I've, I've been interested in working in. Um, and it was something that I really wanted to stay around, and I just had to find a way to do that, and Australia was an avenue for me to do and, that. And Sorry, and I saw some reference along the way there that at one point you even, for a day, wore the mascot uniform. <laughs> Yeah, that was the first year I was there, and it was uh, an unfortunate series of events that led to that. It was not something I would want to do again, that's for sure, but I'm glad I got that experience and got to be a mascot for a day. I was going to say, God bless those people that will put on the mascot uniform, because I think I'd be a little too claustrophobic to do that. Yeah, Yeah, they're heroes of mine. So, Alexis, uh, that experience in Australia, was the style of play a little bit different than what we have here in North America? Uh, I don't necessarily think the style of play is different. The teams are very much dominated by uh, American players, coaches, players who play in America, the American style of the game. Um, It definitely was a lower level than we might see in some places. Uh, they have a club ball level and they have the professional league, and I think their club ball level will probably be equivalent to our inter-county baseball league, and the professional league would probably be equivalent to a high A league in professional baseball in the States. Um, but I would think the style of play is pretty similar, and, I mean, like they really, the people who who are part of baseball there are really passionate about it, and 
it's just really hard to get kind of everyone else who is just engrossed in all of the other Australian sports to kind of flip over to the baseball side of things to enjoy it as well. Um, now, so I've kind of been making that point before that you've done pretty much everything uh, as far as scar- scoreboard statistics, wore the mascot uniform for a day, uh, done some writing, you've done some training as a scout. Uh, I'd be remiss here. I know Adam's just chomping at the bit to, uh, we have a clip here of you actually singing the national anthem at some Jays games, which you've done on more than one occasion. So how does that, how did that come about? Uh, the first time was in 2016, and we had a game change, a time change for our game. It was supposed to be a 7 o'clock game on a Wednesday night, and uh, because of, um, a, I think, a game that, that had been rained out early in the season for the, the opponent of the Blue Jays, our game time was changed from 7 o'clock to 12.30 in the afternoon on a Wednesday. And we no longer... So part of what the production crew does is also get anthem singers. So the the crew didn't have an anthem singer for the day. And they asked if I knew it. I guess they had heard me just kind of, I don't know, singing around the control room or on my Facebook or something. I don't actually sing very often, so... I'm not 100% sure how they figured that out, but they asked if they wanted to do it. And although I was really, really nervous and I had an inclination to say no, I just thought it was an opportunity that I might not want to pass up. So I took it um, that day. And that was in 2015 before the trade deadline. So there were not very many people there, thankfully for me, because I was quite nervous. And then last year before I left the Blue Jays, I, I just asked if I could do it again before I before I took off for the season. So I got an opportunity to do do it again last year, but the night before tournament twelve started. So all the scouts and young players were in attendance as well. Very cool experience. You mentioned um, you know it's obviously a male dominated industry and. Um, being involved in junior hockey personally, um, you know, I have a number of female friends that work in the business and, and it's, it can be a very chauvinistic business. And I know that they've had their, their struggles with that aspect of it. I just wonder, have you found it similar in baseball? Yeah. Baseball is a man's world. It really is. And, um, I, it, it is so hard. It's really hard to gain credibility and it's really easy to lose it um i'm super 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 grateful for the opportunity that i've had to work with the great lake canadian organization because the group of guys that i work with there have really made me feel like i belong have given me a real home and they've given me the ability to be curious and ask questions without treating me like I should already know everything or like I'm an idiot. And I think in some other areas of the industry, if you don't know one thing, people treat you as if you don't know anything. And I'm really grateful to work around some guys who are also scouts and who are former major leaguers and who've played professionally and who've played for Team Canada and who treat me like my questions matter and who believe that they can learn from me as much as I can learn from them. And uh, speaking of the Great Lakes Canadians, uh, you know, turning the talk to that organization, uh, they started getting on my radar when, uh, you know, as, as a talk show in Ontario for baseball, keeping an eye on, on prospects that are moving along. So it was the likes of Adam Hall, 
who was uh, two years ago was a second round draft pick of the Baltimore Orioles, who uh, there hasn't been many Canadians play shortstop in the major leagues, and he's our next big hope. And uh, locally here, our our local OHL team is uh, is the Owen Sound Attack, even though uh, Steve would have you believe it's the Guelph Storm. <laughs> but uh, and of course they they had drafted uh, Eric Sarantola. Um, as a right winger a couple of years ago, but he's pursuing baseball, I believe, at Mississippi State. Um, but he was drafted this year by the Tampa Bay Rays in the 30th round. And uh, he also was a Great Lakes Canadian. So I started realizing, wow, you know, there's a lot of these players are developing through this organization. And then, uh, of course, it's associated with all sorts of players like Adam Stern and Chris Robinson, who who had pretty respectable major league careers themselves. So tell us just generally a bit about the organization and what it's all about. The organization started five years ago in 2013, and it, it was started by Chris Robinson and Adam Stern, uh, two major leaguers from London and Dorchester, and they really wanted to create the program to give young players opportunities that they didn't have when they were younger. They Throughout their professional careers, they would come back home, they would try to find places where they could hit, people they could throw with, places they could throw things they could do to continue to get better at baseball and there just weren't as many opportunities or they weren't easy to come by uh, and that was something that they really wanted to change and Adam had finished his playing career already. Chris was just at the end of his playing career. He was a September call-up that year for the San Diego Padres and then came back and retired as soon as that was done and and gave his full dedication to the Great Lake Canadians program. Uh, Adam Arnold, who also played professionally, has been really one of the best up-and-coming pitching coaches in the entire country since taking on that role for the Great Lake Canadians staff. And since then, they've just continued to add a wealth of knowledge and experience in the guys that they have. Jamie Romack is still currently playing right now in Korea, and he's there every day in the winter working with young guys who also are back from from their playing seasons who've been playing professionally working with the young great lake canadian players uh really kind of helping everyone else out as he gets ready for his seasons as they go on too so there's really three major league guys kind of working with the program and then uh they've added just a number of coaches and since they had one team in 2013 now we have seven teams uh, two at the 14U level, two at the 15U level, uh, and one each at the 16, 17, and 18U level. So it's been um, a rapid growth for the organization, and I think that one thing that they've done really well is keep their standards high, and they've really made sure that it's a place for the development of the players. Uh, winning isn't foremost, but it's nice to develop winners as well. Uh, and they've had seven or eight draft picks in the last uh, since the program started really so Adam Hall is the highest uh, draft pick that the program has seen last year as you mentioned he was taken in the second round by the Baltimore Orioles and he's playing I believe in Aberdeen right now and Michael Bertel is a graduate of the program he was selected in this year's draft at a college he went to Central Michigan after the Great Lake Canadians program and he's now in double A um, in Springfield with the Cardinals organization so it's an exciting time for the organization, and I think things just kind of keep getting better, and they still maintain the high standard that they set out with. 
You know, we talked to Rob Ducey, the former Toronto Blue Jay, and uh, his comment was it was so difficult um, as a kid from Cambridge, Ontario, to find a way to get better through the winter without going to the U.S. just because of weather-related issues in Canada. And I I just feel like this elite program is really contributing to the top end of the talent, you know, in Ontario and in Canada to give them another way to to improve and not necessarily have to go to the U.S.? That's definitely something that they're trying to do. Adam opened Centerfield Sports um, in 2010, and it is the largest baseball facility in all of Canada. And I, I would have to think one of the best indoor facilities in all of North America. Uh, and really... He did that so that there are those opportunities. I know he mentioned that when he was a young player, they would have to go to Guelph to hit, and they'd have to go to the track at Western to throw, and they'd have to kind of go to Kitchener to do something else, and here to do this, and there to do that. And it was just a really hard time to want to be at home, but also to want to get better and further their own careers. And I think he's really definitely created a spot where anyone great lake canadians or not can do that in the london area and uh just to follow up there with uh, centerfield sports uh, just some of the deets uh, i took from the website there uh so the facility uh over forty thousand square feet of training space 20,000 square foot professionally turfed field, nine full batting cages with pitching machines, and plus uh, strength and conditioning area and 1,500 square foot weight room. So that is quite a massive facility that uh, is available. Now, is that is that purely for the Great Lakes Canadians or, or do you get like people using the batting cages like on a rental basis or things too? or? No, it's very open to uh, members of the public throughout the winter. There are tons of there are soccer teams, lacrosse teams, cricket teams, uh, football teams, recreational sports, uh, softball leagues, uh, rookie mosquito leagues, all kinds of uh, the, the London majors work out in there through the winter. It's open to plenty of other people, and it really does open up that opportunity for everyone to, to keep playing. And Alexis, it seems like uh, Canadian baseball, it kind of ebbs and flows in terms of, of interest as goes the Toronto Blue Jays at times with, you know, um, more kids getting involved in baseball, maybe when the Jays are doing better. But overall, I think uh, Canadian baseball is maybe as strong as it's ever been right now. I would hope so. Um, I think there are so many players who have had success on their own, uh, you know, like the Adam Stearns, like the Chris Robinson, who are now coming back and giving back to the game in different ways. And whether that be in Ontario or in BC or Alberta, there are just a lot of people who had their own success and who learned from what they think maybe could be a little bit better and are now trying to put that into place and help the next generation of players. And the Toronto Blue Jays, I mean, they do so much to um, nurture baseball, not only in Ontario, but in Canada as well. Locally, I know that they just uh, provided a $25,000 grant to upgrade baseball, uh, a baseball mound and and stadium here locally. Um, Can you speak to just what they do from the inside when you worked for the Toronto Blue Jays, maybe seeing that aspect of what the Blue Jays do? I wasn't 
wasn't overly involved um, in the outreach to the community from the Blue Jays, um, but I do think that things like the the programs where they they give lights to stadiums, like our Great Lake Canadians uh, ballpark in Dorchester, they donated the lights to us so that we can play games at night and, you know, when dusk falls a little early so people can still get there. But I think Tournament 12 is one of the biggest initiatives and it is very successful in terms of bringing in a number of scouts and college recruiters so they can see players in one place and see the best competition against the best competition in Canada. And it really gives the players an opportunity as well in order, like in terms of playing at Roger Center. It's a really exciting time for them. And also to be seen, if you're a kid from Prince Edward Island, you can come to Roger Center and you can be seen at Tournament 12 and you can get an opportunity, which you might not have had if you were at home. So it is exciting that there are these teams providing these opportunities for people. Uh, we mentioned that there's the eight draft picks that uh, you've uh, the Great Lakes Canadians have had since uh, 2013. And uh, also the, the list of players that have committed to uh, Division One in the United States, uh, NCAA, or even lower levels of college ball, whether it's uh, junior college or playing CIS baseball. There's, I know when I looked it up on your website, there was about five pages of players that have... Uh, sprung their their time with the Great Lakes Canadians into uh, playing uh, next level of baseball at college and university. If uh, someone's listening right now and they have a young young kid that's uh, aspiring, showing a lot of talent, how would they go about uh, trying out for the Great Lakes Canadians? Uh, The Canadians have open tryouts every year. This year we started yesterday and uh, continue today. This goes by age group, the younger age group tryouts are on august 14th our older age groups are tonight and were yesterday as well um and that's kind of everybody's invited to that they're free anyone can come and we do host those open trials year after year nice and uh our final word with you uh, before we have to take our first break is uh since you uh for eight years had to watch pretty much every single Jays home game. Uh, what's your thoughts on how uh, the moves they made or did not make at the at the deadline this year? I think that I can, the trades are definitely maybe sneaky good for the Jays. Or I haven't seen a whole lot of uh, positive feedback from fans, which kind of surprises me. Uh, I believe they got 10 players back in total for what they – gave up and five of those players jumped right into their top 30 prospects uh and i i really i mean i think that that's a job well done um ken giles has been successful as well and i mean as much as i don't like that whole situation and have a lot of words i could share on that um i think that ken giles is and the two prospects they got are a good return for for that scenario um and i I mean as well the other prospects they got all seem to indicate future success for the blue days great well thank you very much alexis i I gotta say you've uh, certainly uh, been incredibly open-minded and hard-working on your baseball career so far and uh be interesting for us uh to to keep tabs and see uh what your next steps are and uh how things progress for you as a baseball journalist and or scout or who knows, maybe executive someday. So uh, all the best and thanks so much for uh, talking baseball with us. 
Thank you for having me. Right. Take care. There you have it. Alexis Brudnicki and uh, what a varied uh, uh, history she's had in baseball in the last eight or 10 years. And she's done a little bit of everything, Andy. And uh, you know what? Has earned a ton of credibility for herself. And, uh, you know, it's a tough business for a a lady to break into, as I know with hockey and some of the, the ladies that are involved with uh, some of the junior teams that I'm involved with. And, uh, you know, kudos to them. They have to work twice as hard and to get the same respect. It's unfortunate. It's very sad, actually. But uh, kudos to her for uh, basically rolling up her sleeves and doing basically anything and everything. Yeah, she certainly is uh put her nose to the grindstone and is mm-hmm. seeing some uh, benefit, much deserved benefit for it. So I hope it continues on an upward trajectory for Alexis Brudnicki. All right. So let's take a break. And on the other side, when we come back, we'll talk a little Toronto Blue Jays and the trade deadline right here on Baseball Talk. Holman Motors is now your destination for pre-owned trucks. They've got lots of late model trucks in stock to satisfy your needs and plan on stocking a solid quantity of trucks on a regular basis. Even if you happen to be looking for something they don't have in stock, their access to a huge inventory of trucks ensures they can get what you need. If they don't have it, they'll get it for you. It's all happening at Holman Motors Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, Cadillac, across from the racetrack in Hanover and at HolmanMotors.com. After the fall by Speedy Count in Dixie Valley arrived in 1971, Leo Solon was strolling in the pasture when his wife asked, Are you dreaming of glory? Leo replied, That's it! That's what I'll call this one! And the legend began. Dream of Glory, destined to become a Hall of Fame stallion. Hanover Raceway presents Dream of Glory Day this Saturday. Enjoy a delicious barbecue, amazing fireworks, and watch the final of the Dream of Glory. Doors open at 5, post time 6.15. Visit HanoverRaceway.com. When you step into Bath & Biscuit Dog Grooming Salon in Durham, you'll see why it's the place for passionate pet parents. Grooms include brush out, haircut from nose to tail, nail trimming, hydro surge bath that deep cleans your furry friends, blow dry and finishing spray, private appointments, treats, experienced groomers, and a whole lot of love ensures that you've got the best looking dog on the block. Bath and Biscuit Dog Grooming Salon on Garifroxa Street North in Durham now also sells pet food and supplies. Visit them at bathandbiscuit.ca. I walk it for my mom. I walk it for my aunt. I walk it for my granddad. This September, who will you walk it for? South Gray Bruce and Hanover Walk It for Parkinson's. Saturday, September the 8th at the Hanover Town Park. We all have a person we walk it for, and this September, let's walk it for them because we're in this together. All proceeds stay local and support programs and services in southwestern Ontario offered by Parkinson's Society Southwestern. This September, I walk for me. Register today at walk-it.ca. Looking for a way to reduce your electricity bill over the long term? The Affordability Fund is here to help. With energy-efficient upgrades like LED bulbs, appliances, insulation, and more. See what you qualify for. Simply visit affordabilityfund.org. That's affordabilityfund.org. Funding is provided by the Affordability Fund Trust. Mark the cash for 
Rich in calcium? 100% fat-free? Mary, what are you doing? I'm trying to decipher all these labels. I just want to make a healthy choice. No problem. Guys? Just look for the health check symbol. Low in fat. An excellent source of calcium. Who are they? Just my Heart and Stroke Foundation dietitians. When you choose foods with the Heart and Stroke Foundation's health check symbol, it's like shopping with their dietitians who evaluate every participating product based on Canada's food guide. Let's give Mary a hand in the juice aisle. Check for health check. Visit healthcheck.org. Baseball Talk is brought to you by Joy for Sports, 435 Durham Street East in Walkerton, for all your sports needs. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, after a great chat with uh, Alexis uh, Brudnicki. Brudnicki, yes, who uh, director of baseball information for the Great Lakes Canadians and uh, has uh, pretty impressive credentials as a baseball journalist uh, so far. And uh, it was a great chat that way. And uh, at the last block, we're going to be talking uh, the Blue Jays trade deadline. But we're going to take the opportunity right now. We're first going to talk about the Twitter poll. Um, which harkens back to uh, a, a chat we had on Baseball Talk a few weeks ago. Uh, Steve was talking about um, the prospect of expansion in Major League Baseball. So our poll question uh, springing off of that was, in which of these cities would you most like to see Major League a, a Major League expansion team? And uh, so Adam's getting that up on the screen for us there. And uh, the options were Vancouver, B.C., which, of course, has a long, rich uh, baseball history, not at the major league level, but at the right now they have the Jays' single-A team. But in the Pacific Coast League, they've often had triple-A teams uh, for, for decades and decades. Uh, Montreal, Quebec, um, Las Vegas, and Nashville. I'll run them through there, yeah. So uh, the, the low man on the, on the results was uh, Nashville. Only 8% people were keen to see Major League Baseball there. Uh, 10% said Las Vegas. So, obviously, seeing the success of the hockey team there has it mm-hmm. in some people's minds. Uh, 15% out in Vancouver. And quite frankly, they are a little bit handicapped just because of that whole, you know, travel and time zone. And right. it would be harder for people in central Canada to get excited because they know that's much more rare opportunity for them to go see them. And a whopping 67% uh, people came down for Montreal, which we know that there's still a pretty active fan club there. Yep. Uh, at the All-Star game, there's quite a contingent showed up uh, at the Nationals Park with their Expos gear. And Yeah, and you know, the, the numbers, they don't surprise me that Montreal was dominant there. It surprised me a little bit that Vegas maybe wasn't spiked in second place there and had a have a, having a more healthy number than than that low ten percent because uh, you know they've proven that they're an excellent sports market and and I think uh, a lot of people might look forward to going and seeing Major League Baseball and doing everything else you do in Vegas uh, much like we saw with the hockey trips this year where you know out of town fans came in and you know saw Vegas playing their team and, you know, did the Vegas thing while they were there, which was quite enjoyable having done it myself. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's my major surprise on that one a little bit. You thought Las Vegas would be Yeah, I thought it'd be maybe 25% or something. Yeah. Well, people have heard me talk about uh, growing up as a Montreal Expos fan. And I, (laughs) sorry, I have uh, memories of, I remember seeing a doubleheader against the Pirates. And I think on one other occasion, I managed to, uh, Go to the old Olympic Stadium and see the Expos play, and it was it was usually on occasion when we were on trips out east, uh, whether it was to the Canadian East Coast or through uh, New England, uh, through the states and Vermont and such. And uh, it's just kind of handy on those road trips for families to swing through Montreal and see the sights and catch games there. So uh, I think that 
basically Montreal is pretty centrally located for those destination visits too. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the poll, to be fair, is skewered because it's, you know, done in this area with Montreal being the closest to this area. And I think we all kind of acknowledge that there's fact a as well. geographic bias. Yeah, yeah, there's certainly a bias in that aspect of it. You know, you do this poll... You know, in New York City, it's a completely different, you know, result, obviously. But, uh, you know, I take it for what it is. Uh, there's certainly a groundswell of support for Montreal. And I think ultimately, you know, if they had some kind of stadium option, I think that would be, and, and not the big O, it's not an option. Let's be honest about that. That ship has sailed. It's time, if you're going to do it, you're going to have to build a new stadium. And so, you know, the, the province of Quebec has, you know, somewhat... Uh, Saber rattled that they might if they if there was, you know, that interest in a commitment level coming from Major League Baseball. You know, I think that that could be forthcoming. But in all likelihood, I, I suspect an NHL team will get to Quebec before, before the Montreal Expos come back to Quebec. And that's my read on it, too. Yeah. Um, I should say for our listeners and our viewers that if uh, you want to catch any of our uh, episodes, it, they are available on podcast form. Uh, if you go to uh, baseballtalkbwr.podomatic.com, and uh, the BWR stands for Blue Water Radio, and that's all lowercase. Um, so you can go back, and they're free for download. You can either listen to them online, or you can download them and listen listen to them on your favorite digital device. So yeah, I have, uh, feel feel free to check out our podcast. And uh, the next thing I wanted to get to was our, our Clark guys from the Clark guys for this week. <laughs> <laughs> I got to work on a theme song. I know. There, we, yeah. we almost need like a countdown from it. Eh? <laughs> um, so we're going back to 2009. And since we're going to be talking Jay's trade deadline, uh, that's what we're sticking with. So it's August 1st, 2009. And it's a Jeff Blair piece from the Globe and Mail. Which is interesting. Jeff Blair's filling in on a, a talk show out of Sportsnet there. Let me say, one. I just have no respect for Jeff Blair, in, in fairness. Uh, oh, wow. I think he's one of the worst journalists in Toronto. Strong reaction. I, I, I can't stand his work. I, I'm not as familiar. I've been listening to Baseball Central recently and came across this article. What's uh, but I just, I, you know what? Just I, just in find, general, I just find him a know-it-all mouthpiece, okay. um, which he gets paid for, in fairness to him. Yeah. But... You know, over the top where, you know, he's always right. And, uh, and you know, he doesn't sort of, uh, you know, give other people their due for their opinions. And, and I don't respect that, to be fair. That, fair enough. I don't have as much background on him. No. Um, this particular piece, he was, uh, the headline is, Halliday stays put, but Jays seem to be sliding backward, which is kind of familiar to us nowadays in 2018. But it was basically looking at uh, why did Roy Halliday not move at the trade deadline and, they were pointing out that by waiting to the offseason, since he had a no-trade clause, um, that at the deadline he would only be looking at contenders, whereas in the offseason, players like that are probably more willing to look at teams uh, that, that weren't just contending because they may have made a few key moves or maybe they have more finances in place. So basically they hung on to Roy Halladay. Uh, what was interesting too, though, is at the same time they did trade Scott Rowland right. to, to uh, um, Cincinnati Reds. And uh, as of the three pieces they got back, I believe it was two pitchers, but I'm not 100% sure. But the third piece on that one, they were saying, well, at least it was a good move because this young guy is uh, he's going into a contract year next year, so he's going to be motivated. And uh, they're saving $6 million on salaries uh, on this young third baseman who was Edwin Encarnacion. <laughs> yeah, that worked who, out okay. And you know what? If you can get Edwin Encarnacion... And he was the throw-in of the deal. And he was kind of the throw-in. They're like, oh, that was a good move because he plays third base too, and so he's making $6 million less than Scott Rowland. And I'm like... 
there you go. So they, they didn't seem too excited about it at the time, but that came up huge for them. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's, that's something else when you look back at it eh, to, to see. And I mean, obviously, uh, Jose Batista was, you know, almost for nothing as well back yeah. at that time. And so they both turned out to be linchpins and, and, and really one of the, or the pair of them really among the best Jays ever. Absolutely. You know, I think you could yeah. certainly put them cemented in the top 10 for sure in Jays history. Yeah, you know, looking back, if they could have... That's a show to, right there. We should do that. Yeah, what what might have been. If, if Edwin didn't go to Cleveland, right? Yeah. The money didn't seem to be too much different. So if they managed to make a play to keep Edwin, I think we'd be much happier right now baseball-wise in Toronto. Yeah, you could be right. But having said that, let me just segue to to one thing that I am happy about uh, is Lourdes Gurriel Jr. What a run he was on until he got hurt, of course, the other night. 11 multi-hit games in a row. Uh, which is the third longest streak of that type in Major League history. And the record is 13 by Rogers Hornsby in 1923. But it was the longest streak in the last 50 years. And, you know, we had talked about him in in previous shows, and I had mentioned how I felt he really was a piece moving forward that was going to help the Toronto Blue Jays, and he had flashes of talent. And when I said that, he was hitting like 225. He's now hitting like 340. So... You know, I'm going to take a little credit for feeling that Lord Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is going to be something, and he's kind of lived up to that billing in the last, you know, 11 games before he got hurt, and now he's out four to six. But I think Blue Jay fans see a piece there in Lourdes Gurriel Jr. that they're feeling excited about all of a sudden. Certainly, uh, he uh, is showing so much promise because he's putting his name up there with very esteemed company, and he's still learning. He's still. By he's just all, a young guy. Yeah, by all measures, he's still growing, still learning, still improving. Uh, we want to talk some more trade deadline, uh, Jay's trade deadline. So let's take our second recess break, and then we'll be back to talk about whether the Jays were pleasing us with their moves or lack thereof. So we'll talk to you in a minute right after this break. Baseball Talk is brought to you by Joy for Sports, 435 Durham Street East in Walkerton, for all your sports needs. Progressive Results Group is here to help. We get it. Business owners wear a lot of hats, and it's hard to keep up with everything. We offer a full-service approach to marketing. So if you're struggling to create quality content for social media or need a bold, mobile-friendly website, call Ontario's small business marketing company. It's time to get noticed, and we can make that happen. Progressive Results Group. Save money. Save time. Grow your business. Learn more at ProResultsGroup.com or check out our Facebook page. You've just received a huge estimate to repair your older vehicle, and you know you'll never recover the money. It's time to close your wallet and call the folks at Andy's Country Repairs in Walkerton. Andy's will pay for your old car. They'll even pick it up. Your old vehicle will be efficiently recycled for working parts. You'll get a check, not a tax receipt. So do your wallet and the environment a big favor. Call Andy's Country Repairs at 519-881-0378. Andy's will handle all the details and your wallet will thank you. Join us in Hanover this summer. We've got an experience for you. Enjoy live music, harness racing, and theater. Play the slots or family recreational activities. Tour our vibrant downtown featuring great shopping and events. Taste our locally brewed handcrafted beer and the many dining options. This is just a snapshot of what awaits you. Join us. 
Visit Hanover Raceway every Saturday night and experience the thrill of live horse racing. Enjoy theme nights and the kids club. Visit HanoverRaceway.com. We bet you'll love it. Discover more at Hanover.ca. Bruce and Gray Counties are amazing places to live, but sometimes they can be difficult to get around and explore. That's where Soggy Mobility and Regional Transit comes in. Since 1977, they've specialized in public transit service to those with permanent or temporary mental and physical challenges within Bruce and Gray Counties. Finally, you have the ability to stay mobile. Life can be challenging. Let Soggy Mobility help. To find out more about smart services in your area or to register, visit SoggyMobility.ca and they'll see you soon. Tired of hard water wreaking havoc around your home? Dry skin and lifeless hair? Dull and dingy laundry? Soap scum and spotted glasses too? Hey, Colligan Man! A Colligan water softener turns hard water soft every time. Soft water is the answer. Not cleaning products or detergents. Colligan saves you up to 50% on soaps and detergents while turning your laundry, bathroom, and kitchen brilliant like me. Hey, Colligan Man! This is Trevor Porter. Join me Saturdays from 3 to 7 p.m. for the Saturday Afternoon Jukebox. Each week I'll play the greatest hits of the 50s and 60s and pass along fun facts and little-known trivia about the music. You're bound to hear some songs you haven't heard since back in the day. That's the Saturday Afternoon Jukebox with me, Trevor Porter, Saturdays 3 to 7 p.m. right here on 91.3 FM, Blue Water Radio. Baseball Talk is brought to you by Joy for Sports, 435 Durham Street East in Walkerton, for all your sports needs. And welcome back to Baseball Talk on Blue Water Radio, 91.3 FM, and Whiteman TV. Steve Fitzsimmons, Andy Clark in studio with you. And uh, let's get on to the Toronto Blue Jays, who were movers and shakers as far as uh, quantity of trades, certainly at the uh, Major League Baseball uh, non-waivers deadline, um, and did more moves than anyone else in, in Major League Baseball. Now, the question is, were the good moves or not? And let's kind of go through these, Andy, and assess them individually and see sure. your thoughts on this. So, And, and before we do yeah. like a trade-by-trade, trade, what's your general? For me, I say I'm, I'm, I have mixed bag feelings. Some trades I approve of, some I'm not so happy about. I think that's pretty well where I feel about feel it. Yeah. Uh, um, I think it's a mixed bag, and, and I think we'll kind of discuss it individually here. But okay, so let's start with the big one. Um, Roberto Osuna, of course, traded to the Houston Astros for their um, disgraced closer, if you will, Ken Giles, who was in the minors after getting into a blow up with his manager about a month ago, as well as two right handed pitching prospects, David Polino and Hector Perez. And Polino was suspended last year um, for. PEDs, you know, steroids, 80-game suspension, yeah. suspension. So take that for what it's worth. But uh, Perez, uh, a well-thought-of prospect who j- immediately jumps into the Jays' top 15 prospects. So um, when you look at this, we know what Osuna is. Um, I talked extensively about the fact that the Toronto Blue Jays could not bring Roberto Osuna back, nor should they, given everything that's happened legally with him. And uh, they, they listened to me. And, but the question is, did they get value? I mean, they were in a tough spot to get value. Andy, did they get value here, do you think? I'm struggling with this one because, first of all, you know, Ken Giles has had 
His own issues. Some His own issues where he's very volatile. He also, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's also the one who punched himself in the face earlier this year after he kind of had a bit of a rough outing. And I guess if you're going to yeah. punch someone, it may as well be yourself. You're not going to run into as many legal issues. But, no, no legal issues there. But he has been volatile. As they said, when he's on, he's really on. And when he's off, he's really off. He had 34 saves last season. 2.30 earn run average. Yeah. But this year, he's uh, 4.99. So basically a 5... ERA in 34 games this year. Mm-hmm. So the jury's still out on that. Like, which Ken Giles are we going to get? Is the change in location going to be good for him? Um, will the Toronto organization be a good place for him? Will he find his groove? Uh, I got to tell you right now, I think they kind of took two problems off of Houston's hand because David Polino, he not only has the PED issue, and right. I, I've been very strong. I'm not a big fan of people that are steroid cheats. Um, he's also already had Tommy John surgery. And uh, well, he's the smallest piece in this smallest piece of this three prong attack, if you will. He actually has a little bit of major league experience 36 innings in in 25 runs allowed in 36 innings. Absolutely shelled, he's been absolutely shelled at the major league level. So, like, he's definitely they're doing them a favor by taking them off their hands. So, it comes down to Hector Perez, who has a lot of velocity on his fastball, um, but he's had a lot of control issues there. Uh, last year. He was averaging six and a half walks per nine, per nine innings. innings, and he's whittled that down to four point eight. But that's still considered so. If he can get it down to two terrible. and a half or three, you know, yeah. So he's a project, though, right? He's what twenty two years old. Yeah. So, so there's how, possibilities here, there. I think there is, and here's how I kind of size this one up. So Ken Giles, a you know, not near in the stratosphere of the type of issue that Roberto Osuna had or is having and and he's a little different but he has the talent he's only 27 osuna being 23 you know i think there's a possibility for a a bounce back there i I really think you're going to see somewhere between what ken giles was last year and what he's been this year he's going to fall somewhere in the middle there for the toronto blue jays which i think would be a win for the toronto blue jays to get that cut that level of performance from ken giles plus to throw on the mix there too, he's making four point six million, which for an ace closer is. And Osuna was making like eight hundred grand or whatever. It was something small. He was making pretty low. Um, yeah. So Giles is under his contracts under control through twenty twenty though. So that's yep. kind of good that they have contract stability for a while. And you know what? They don't necessarily need him to be the closer for that type of money either. Like true, it would be nice if the, if he was. But um, be like a John Axford case where right. he was no longer the big closer, but he was a very, very effective middle relief pitcher for but it, them. But in baseball, yeah. four point six is you know you can live with that as a as a really good middle relief or you know your eighth, eighth inning guy type of thing. I think for a good one, you could live with that. So I think you know they're rolling the dice a bit on on Giles for sure. Uh, Paulino to me is more or less a throw in on this deal, and it really comes down to. Hector Perez versus what Roberto Osuna's performance is going to be in the future. But you know what? I don't care what Roberto Osuna's performance in the future is going to be. This was about drawing a line of what's acceptable conduct and not. And so, you know what? Kudos to the Toronto Blue Jays for having a conscience and drawing a line and actually listening to their fans that they weren't going to tolerate and come to the ballpark to watch this guy play any longer. And that's what this came down to. Absolutely. So jury's still out on that one, but it's I think kind they of sub- did well subtracting a big negative. Considering, yeah, what the market would have been, I think you're right. And Hector Perez is kind of like he's the a real determining player. piece there. He's a project, and if he comes through, it'll really be uh, a great move. So it remains to be seen. But you know what? They had to make a move. 
And they did. And they got something for it, so good on them. So I think this is a win. We're putting that one in the win column. I think it's a win, and right. I expect Roberto Osuna to have a very good career. I think we all do. It's just not about that. Not that, yeah. I'm okay. going to throw one out that I think is not in the win column sure. for the Jays. And it's a pretty quick one. I don't think people are as excited about this one. All right. But uh, I really thought they should have hung on to Sung 1-0 because in the middle relief, he had amongst their most innings pitched, and he was leading the team in ERA. Well, and he was controllable for next year as for well. For next year. And he's, yeah, so this year, um, with a 2.68 ERA and ten basically 11 Ks per nine innings, uh, he's making $1.75 million. This year, and he has a team option for two and a half million for why next did, year. Why would they give that up? Do you think? Yeah, because you know you want to leave out some hope that some of these young players may be a little faster on their timelines, and he's right. playing a valuable role really, really well. And the prospects they got—not that they're terrible or anything—but they got a, a single A first baseman. Who knows what that? And is. a double A outfielder that's hitting two oh six right now. Yeah. So really, I was like, for the value you could have got on the field for the next few years. I would have preferred seeing Sung Wan Oh continue to pitch for the Jays I totally and not agree. for the Rockies. I agree. Okay. Okay. So let's move on to Jay Happ going to the Yankees for uh, yeah. infielder Brandon Drury. And who, by the way, I don't know if you heard that news, but he's yeah, uh, with the hand, hand and foot and melt disease. He's yeah. the second pitcher there, too. Often that's associated with uh, young kids and such. So. so if people haven't heard enlightened, so yeah, he was just, uh, he that was found out yesterday that he has hand, foot, and mouth disease, which, you know, is going to clear up in a week kind of thing. Yeah, they said his symptoms haven't been as bad as, uh, sorry, as a Syndergaard. Is it the other Noah pitcher? Syndergaard, yeah. Noah Syndergaard also has it, right. who was doing a lot of appearances at schools and stuff, I believe, is where yep. they think he contracted it. So Jay Happ, though, they said his symptoms haven't been as bad, so he may still make his next scheduled start. And he did look dominant in his opening start for the Yankees, winning that handily. I believe it was 6-3, to three, but looked very good. But uh, So they pick up infielder Brandon Drury on a team with full of you know, infielders, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they get an outfield prospect and not a really high-end one in Billy McKinney. Um, but for my way of thinking, I mean, I think Jay Happ really hurt the Toronto Blue Jays with his performance this month in particular. I mean, we know he went to the All-Star game, but at the end of the day, he'd been 0-3 this month and his ERA was something in the sixes and he'd looked not like himself. And I, and I think it really forced the Jays to lower their price on what they felt he was worth. And and they did. And this was the going market. So they get a, well, a legitimate sort of uh, infielder that's kind of a fill-in guy. Um, sort but they, of bridging the gap bunch, until yeah, but on a team Vladdy of guy, Jr. gets there, yeah. I guess so, but it's on a team of with a bunch of guys like that. I, I don't know. He's a major league player, but... Not really a great one. Utility, they, yeah. Yeah, utility. He's already, he's already played seven major league positions. Yeah. So his, it's a wonder and, he hasn't pitched yet. You know, but, and they're also paying a lot of money to someone else to play that third base, too, to, you know, sort of yeah. play out the season for them. I that, that trade to me just didn't make a lot of sense, but maybe they believe in uh, Billy McKinney. Maybe they have a plan to clear out some of this infield depth that they have or lack thereof of healthy bodies. So... I, that trade. Now, I will say this: I think of all these players, the one that has a very good chance of returning to the Toronto Blue Jays in the off season is Jay Happ. He's already returned once before, and yeah. I think he'll he'll be signed by the Toronto Blue Jays. I think he'll be back. So if you if you assume that, and and f maybe we look at that differently in you know uh, October or November when he if he does come back versus now, because the return is pretty mediocre. And raises another question is, yeah. will the Jays, their entire pitching staff, will they have a 10-game winner at the end of the year? Because J-Hap had 10 wins. Yeah. 
And their next highest is Ryan Tapera, who has a five and four record. I thought you were going to say, will the Jays trade their entire pitching staff? Because they, maybe they traded a good portion. They of need it. pitching, so they're getting rid of all their pitching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that because, makes sense, right? Because Sanchez has three wins: Estrada four, uh, Stroman four, four yeah. Clippard four, and they just got rid of Axford and O, who both had four. So they're yeah, Tapera at five is the ace of their staff. He's not a starter, so I guess it's, we can't necessarily say ace, but. They're they're very likely well, won't have weak a chance. Staff right now, let's yeah. be honest. And remember, people were feeling you know Jaime Garcia was supposed to be their fifth starter, and people were feeling pretty optimistic before the season. And they may not have, they might not even have an eight game winner on their staff. No, it's certainly possible. Um, so of course they did make some other duels. Uh, Aaron Loop to the Phillies for right-handed pitching prospect Jacob Wagaspak. Yeah. And you know what? I, I was talking to some people that are in the know. Uh, on on Major League Baseball prospects, and uh, one of those folks told me that Jacob Wagaspak is a wicked prospect. Uh, that uh, he has some some filthy stuff, is the way he described six him. Six foot six. He's a big, big guy. Has and, some heat. Yeah. Yeah. So he felt, you know what? Uh, they got something in Wagaspak that you know for Aaron Loop. They felt that was a really good move, and not knowing Jacob Wagaspak ourselves, but getting that feedback from somebody playing in the Inner County League um, that I know. Um, is interesting, and so he's twenty-four. Um, yeah. yeah, he thinks there's some, some upside youth. there for sure. So that's interesting. That one does look interesting. His numbers aren't great so far in Double A AA and Triple A this season. Uh, four and six, four point six eight ERA. But that's what they're saying is he has a lot of potential that might come through there. So, and Aaron Loop wasn't doing much. He was zero uh, and O record, yep. four fifty four ERA in fifty games. So he was eating up some innings, but being very unspectacular about it. So exactly in over seven seasons uh, with the Jays, he's the longest serving Jay right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, or until a few days ago, seven seasons with the Jays, he was had a twelve and twenty record. In 297 strikeouts and 369 games. So, so I kind of okay, give my thumbs up to Wagaspak. Why not roll a good the dice move, on yeah. Wagaspak here and see what happens? Uh, as you say, he's promise, a big, yeah. strong um, right-handed pitcher. Um, and, of course, uh, then they continued to deal pitching because yeah. they don't need pitching or anything, right? We actually were, were cutting down into that as I look at the clock on the wall where I have about a minute left All right, here. so Less John Axford so. to the Dodgers for yeah. right-handed pitcher Corey Copping. So... Major league pitcher for a a prospect again, prospect again um, yeah. and Axford. I mean, useful guy. Um, I, I, you know, it's hard to say. I guess we'll see over time, but uh, it didn't feel like enough for John Axford to me. But who knows? Who knows? All right, we're gonna have to bring it to a wrap here. But you can catch this on our uh, podcast, and uh, you can also read our our uh, Clark archives on our Twitter poll at. Gray County guy, and uh, we'll catch you next week when we have Rob Pegg, Fleshman native, former pro and college player, and co- current coach, head coach of the Vanguard University out in California. So we'll catch you next week on Baseball Talk.